0: Welcome to the Salty Geek
1: Podcast, a show of four opinionated nerds talking about everything from comics to games, movies to tech, and science to TV.
2: The first half of the show is filled with discussions of current events in the geek scene, and in the second half we pick a topic and go with it. If you have any suggestions, feel free to shoot
3: us a line at saltygeekpodcast at gmail.com or leave it in the comments section below.
1: Alright, welcome guys.
0: Here we are again. More duct tape and foam.
1: About the same amount. About the same amount? Yeah, about the same
0: amount. <laughs>
1: <laughs> We're getting in a groove.
0: Yeah, I like this groove. Welcome to the Salty Geek Podcast. Uh we have started a different format, if you can tell from the last show. We're gonna be sticking with it for a while and seeing how it goes. Uh the first half of the show, uh, we're actually gonna be talking about space stuff. We got a lot of space stuff to touch on. At least today couple.
2: we are. At least
0: today. At least today. For today. And then we got some a couple of tech stories that we wanted to share with you guys. Uh the second half of our show is gonna be tropes. We're gonna continue on our tropes. We're probably not gonna do As in-depth as we did last time, we're going to be splitting it between tropes and the evolution of rules. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: We'll probably be talking mostly about Tabletop and LARP in that one. I am Ian, a.k.a. Renegade Warrior.
1: I am Jez, also known as Fabricated Geek. I am
0: Drake, also known as
2: the Zombie of Drake.
3: And I'm Nate, known as Clever Robot. I got a new follower.
1: Ooh! Ooh, For like the
3: first time in like, I don't know, some wind in the frosty pants or something, I don't know.
1: It might be my fault.
3: What, did you follow me again?
1: No. no. I've been reblogging a bunch of your really old shit
2: <laughs> cuz you got obsessed also, with my blog for that night. Yeah. You, you mentioned when we were Gaming the other night too.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah.
2: You
0: mentioned what?
1: I you know how Tumblr you have mentions. You ended up being mentioned oh, yeah, in yeah, one yeah. Of my
0: posts. Got it. Yeah, did you read it. So really it's just her becoming involved.
1: Again, I am making you become involved.
3: I haven't done anything on there in like a year. <laughs> Fix it. In Meh.
1: similar
0: news, I started on the Twitters. So you can follow me at at Renegade Warrior. You're tweetering now? I'm tweetering. Now, for those of you that know me, it's not R E N I G A D E. So it's Warrior. actually spelled correctly. It is spelled same? correctly. I figured, you know, that's kind of an in thing. <laughs> wow. Yeah. How do you feel about that? It's a little weird, like a me. big kid now. <sighs> well, the <laughs> the problem is is when I spell Renegade now and I spell it correctly, it feels wrong. <laughs> You've
3: been doing it wrong so long that it feels right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Does and, and, your phone
1: autocorrect the correct spelling to the wrong spelling? Yeah, yeah, it does.
0: And for those of you who don't know, I uh, thought I was cool in high school, and I made my username R-E-N-I because my first name is Ian. It was really just dumb, but I stuck with it.
3: And he was still wrong,
0: and I was still wrong, and I had an email address. So <laughs> I just went with it.
1: So space. I want to get
0: to the topics.
1: Lame. Space. Space.
0: Hey, the final hey, frontier. You want to go to Space. You know who wants to go to space? Elon, Elon, Musk. Musk. Elon Musk. Hey, Drake, who's Elon Musk? Elon Musk is the.
2: He's one of the co founders of Google. He's the founder of Tesla Motors. And importantly for me, he wants to go to Mars and bring lots of people with him.
0: He also wants to build a hyper fast train in California.
2: No, no. He, he doesn't want to build that. He wants somebody else to build
0: it. Oh, okay. He's willing to design <laughs> the damn thing if somebody else builds it. If you'll remember, if you listen back at our first episode, we talked about. How they tried to get their launch rocket back down to Earth safely, so they could use it. Drake found a fun fact about the barges that they use.
2: It turns out that both of those uh, barges are drones. There's nobody on board. On, on, nobody on board. They are no bots on board. Yeah, no bots on board. No bots. But he also named them in honor of um, some of the ships from the Culture series written by Ian Banks, who. Sadly died of uh, cancer a couple years ago.
0: These ships are the greatest named ships ever. I love them. So the, f- <laughs> the first
2: one, the one that uh, recently had a rocket crash, crash into it. <laughs> it wasn't a bad crash, but it was a crash. That one's named Just Read the Instructions.
1: That is amazing.
2: <laughs> the other one is named Of Course I Still Love You. <laughs> of Course I Still Love You. Both of these are um, names from the <laughs> book. um <laughs> The player of games written by Ian M. Banks. Um, culture ships in general, they are basically, the ships are basically home to super <laughs> intelligent AIs. And the AIs tend to have a fairly warped sense of humor. So when they name themselves, it's often in jokes or
0: really weird, really weird humorous Super names. Super deep, sometimes names.
1: I could just see them picking up lines of, like, the people who are trying to assemble them. They get everything up and running, but nothing's fully complete yet. So they're just kind of in sleep mode. And someone's having an argument, but of course I still love you. Well, but, That's how it picks it. But both of, both of those
2: ships are general contact units, which are, basically they have the same job as the Enterprise from Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Go out, find new life forms, and make friends. Or
0: something. So, so here's a couple. Just testing. Now these are just from the book. These aren't barges. So just testing, xenophobe, very little gravitas indeed. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, a, that's actually an
2: in-story in-joke. Uh, many of the ships have names related to gravitas and the lack thereof in culture ships. This goes back <laughs> to the fact that culture ships are effectively, for most intents and purposes, gods. And some of sometimes they come across cultures and they're like, you guys have gods, but your gods aren't serious at all. What's up with that? There are many of names, like, stood in the back when the gravitas was being handed out. Um, I
0: promise I'll have more gravitas next time. A couple others. What are the civilian applications?
2: That's for a general system vehicle. General yeah. system vehicles are, in general, the most
0: powerful ships around. And, and then I think my favorite, size isn't everything.
2: <laughs> uh, they're also very, wow. very large. We're talking hundreds of kilometers long, populations in the millions to billions range. Do you want to take a minute and explain who Ian M. Banks is? He was a science fiction writer. Like I said, he, he died of cancer back in 2013, um, which is very you wrote, sad. He was. You wrote pervailantly hard sci-fi, right? It's... I wouldn't quite call it hard sci-fi. I'd call it... Kind of squishy? Kind of squishy mm. sci-fi? Maybe maybe like a six out of ten on the hard on the hard sci-fi <laughs> scale. It's kind of chubby, kind of yeah, chubby. I'm surprised
1: we're not using actual like Rockwell hardness ratings here.
2: Oh, it, it's
1: uh, it's
0: called um, <laughs> <laughs> it's Mo's hardness scale. Yeah, for this, yeah, which um, which is a hardness scale. Uh, essentially, hard sci-fi means that it is mostly centered uh, in
1: scientifically reality. accurate, as far as we can tell. As, yeah. yeah,
0: and then soft sci-fi is like Star Trek. Yeah.
2: <laughs> no. Oh, well, yeah. It's
1: fantasy in space. Fantasy,
2: fantasy in space. Fantasy in space. Uh, Star Wars is a better fantasy in space where stuff just blatantly violates the rules as we know it.
3: Whatever.
0: The it? force is real. Midicarian. Yeah. No, we do See, not use that word. That Sorry. is
3: George Lucas violating his own science. Yeah. <laughs> which <laughs> that should
1: be another name. We, we won't talk much. about that. <laughs> that uh, yeah, that's
3: a good idea. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> back to Elon um, Musk.
1: Or we can move on to
0: Europa. I read an article. The, the article says, it's official, we're going to Europa, the most likely place for life beyond Earth. Europa, well, it is pretty likely that there's life there. Um, and it's
1: the, really exciting that NASA's getting the chance to focus on the search for life again. Yes. Yeah.
3: So what is Europa?
1: Yeah.
0: Go, Drake. Okay,
2: so Europa <laughs> is a moon of Jupiter. Um, it is slightly smaller than our moon. Um, It has a very large ocean underneath its uh, ice-covered surface. Also, interestingly, on its ice-covered surface, it has these red streaks. And there are people who think that those red streaks might actually be full of bacteria.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: So, life. Life. Life as we know it.
1: Or, at least, as far as we're assuming. I mean, it's going to survive off of some sort of liquid and some sort of energy. Right. Right. Whether or not that's going to be oxygen and water, we'll find out. It, it could
2: be some sort of weird mineral, but it, it might be bacteria, too. Mm-hmm. As far as the, we're going to Europa, the president, President Obama, has approved uh, NASA's 2016 budget, which includes a flyby of Europa. And when I say flyby, they'll be putting a Spacecraft in orbit of Jupiter that will regularly come close to the surface of Europa,
0: mm-hmm. as as
2: close as sixteen kilometers
0: in some swingbys. With this, this is life that we're, we're likely to see. Um, so it's life that's close to Earth. There could be life on other planets, uh, like Venus, that have more like crazy conditions. This this would be life that we would be able to recognize, essentially like bacteriums and stuff like that. But you know, we could end up finding life pretty much anywhere.
1: Well, also, it's going. It's pretty much assumed at this point that if we do find life, it's going to be an extremophile, yeah. which essentially means it lives in conditions that we don't normally assume things can, like water bears.
0: Like what? Water bears. So, water bears. <laughs> just, just, I'm pulling this off the top of my head, so bear with me. Good one. Uh, <laughs> water bears are tiny, microscopic... Um, bears? Kind of. They look like little bears.
1: They look like... Six or eight-legged Eight, bears. Eight-legged
0: bears. Yeah, they're kind of cute. They're a little wrinkly-faced. Can um, they
3: fly?
1: They're also known kinda. as tardigrades, if you know that name instead.
0: They've been known to survive in extreme conditions: extreme heat, extreme cold, vacuum of space. Uh, they can survive radiation of. They would just knock out even a, even a cockroach. Right? I gotta
3: say, they look more like pigs than bears. They do kind yeah. of Yeah.
1: I mean, if we're talking about extreme temperatures here, we're talking anywhere from as close to absolute zero as we can basically get to well over boiling. Yeah. Th-
0: three degrees above absolute zero. Mm-hmm.
1: They but, can withstand pressure, radiation. Uh, they can be frozen. The vacuums. They've been brought to near zero. They can be dehydrated and rehydrated. That's <laughs> a fun one. They
2: can survive exposure to the to, to space.
1: Not yeah. on the inside of the spacecraft.
2: No, no, no. They, they were exposed to actual hard radiation space and then brought back and then they had kids. And the kids were apparently
0: fun. Yeah. They're pretty freaking awesome. I guess what our point is is that water bears are going to take over the world? No. No.
3: If we end up
1: finding life pretty quickly, that's going to be along the lines that we're going to find. It's not going to be, you know little green men with big eyes.
0: They're gray.
1: Some of them are green.
0: I'm sorry, I like my grays. Yeah. They're, they're That's because gr- you're they're
1: colorblind, blind. Ian.
0: Shut up. <laughs> Always with the colorblind.
3: <laughs> and how long is it going to take this craft to get there? Depends on the craft they
1: use. Yeah, it depends
2: on the craft that you use. It would probably take, you know, 10 to 20 years, um, depending on how they get there. Using 1970s tech, we could build a you know ship that would get there inside you know four weeks.
0: Nobody wants these nukes. Mm-hmm.
3: Um, how yeah, long did it take to get to Mars? Sure. How long, most recently? How long did it take to get to Mars? You're
2: talking about the Curiosity yeah.
0: rover? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I
1: want to say years? four years. It was somewhere around there. Yeah. I say five. But the other thing that's notable is they're not going to be doing this off of a ton of money. They're looking somewhere between thirty, maybe up to a hundred million. Yeah. But really unlikely.
2: So that but that's that is just for the um, satellite that's going to be doing that. Because because they NASA is also working on building a separate heavy lift rocket to actually get us back out into deep sea which is something that NASA's been lacking recently, is very heavy lift
0: capability. Mm-hmm. Now the thing about this though is it's not guaranteed. Because it's just President Obama's
1: thing yeah. Yeah. and, and, and com- Congress is his... the one that
0: actually holds the purse strings
1: yeah, yeah which is, actually no it's an executive branch
0: but right
2: but, but Congress still has a lot well, to say for, for about the budget the handle, yeah
1: about what its budget Congress is. actually budgeted them 100 which is where that I'm saying up to okay yeah Obama's budget was lower hmm. but the fact that it's in there is yeah something well, it's, to be stated surprisingly
2: so, in the last few years uh, NASA's been getting more a, a larger percentage of the budget they want which is good news, although they're still not getting um, what they actually want, which is the bad news.
1: Well, let's face it. Oh, wait, it's no politics, but it's not going to happen anytime soon.
0: It's exciting, and you can bet we're going to keep up with it. You know how cause... they could
1: make more money? Selling stuff they bring back from space.
0: Imagine that, like mining asteroids.
1: Or, like, things from the moon.
0: Speaking it's... of things from the moon. Speaking, yeah, thinking spins, spins from the moon. I brought spins back.
2: Well, it turned out uh, Neil Armstrong brought some springs back. And oh. some clips and some nets and a really important camera.
0: Really important camera.
1: Some lamps, wrenches.
0: Um, I love the, the name of this article. Secret stash of moon artifacts found in Neil Armstrong's closet. Huh.
1: Like, <laughs> in Neil Armstrong's okay. closet.
0: Asteroids on those missions um, were allowed what's called a divot purse it's about the size of a A mcdivot
2: astronauts not asteroids
0: that's asteroids yes yeah
2: (laughs)
3: asteroids could have them too leave them alone
0: so they're called a mcdivot purse Uh, this is named in honor of apollo 9 commander jim mcdivot now they're about the size not a
3: reference to some sort of weird mcdonald's meal
0: no (laughs) not quite Anyway, it's a, it's a stowage bag that can be positioned at the front of the spacecraft to hold items such as purge valves, which might otherwise fall into the cabin floor. They were also for uh, private items, things like that, that the astronauts might need. Now, when Armstrong decided to leave the moon, he stuffed his bag full of stuff that otherwise would have been left on the moon, and then brought it back. So just garbage. Essentially. Pretty much. And, yeah. I got a list of things. Uh, his his wife actually found them in his closet. There's a power cable data acquisition camera. Uh, there's a crewman op- optical alignment site. That's actually how they figure out where the ship is. It's kind of like a little heads-up display. A waist tether that he actually used to help get himself out of the, uh, the lander. Now, the important thing that came back was the data acquisition camera, DAC. 16-millimeter movie camera. Now, this is the camera that actually filmed that footage that you've all seen of the lander landing.
1: I was going to make a joke about it being fake and filmed in the studio, but I can't even get myself to do it I know, <laughs>
0: Now, he brought, he brought that back, which is that super important thing. Now, that's that's the piece of history that, that it's going to have.
1: Yeah, essentially he was hiding a bag of hardware and it, a yeah. camera. So
0: a bunch of junk.
1: Yeah. Pretty yeah. Much, a bunch of junk.
0: Yeah, a bunch of junk. Some bunch random hardware
1: that, unless you're on a ship, it's not going to be very useful to you. Yeah,
2: but yeah. But, but because they all these bits of junk were on the first thing that went to the moon, their price is basically incalculable.
1: And now they're it's, going to be in a bunch of museums.
0: Uh, Just one, the one. National Air and Space Museum. Okay. Yeah, they still belong to the family of Neil Armstrong, but they're putting them on loan for preservation, research, and eventual public display. Now, some people would say that he stole these things. He didn't. He didn't at the time, and Obama signed it into law that. Astronauts, people who work on this stuff, can take souvenirs. Most of this stuff gets left behind as space junk, so, eh, there's no controversy there. Another thing, if uh, you guys mind if I move on? Let's go. Speaking of heads-up displays, part, what, three in our VR exposés?
1: They are putting LED lights into contacts, and they can now do a few colors.
0: The big problem is we've been able to do a couple of colors pretty well. But we haven't been able to get the full spectrum, all three colors that you need, red, mm-hmm. uh, green, red, and blue, red, blue. And blue. Um, for the people who can the the see color. Who can see color, thanks. <laughs> Always the colorblind thing. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, this is a contact with a little electrode on it that comes out of a little tiny wire that comes out of your eye. Essentially, it streams perfectly clear images all right onto your retina.
1: The only thing it's missing right now is the green LEDs. Yeah, because they can't figure out how to make them that small.
0: Because they have to be really, really small. Oh, super tiny, super thin, and super reliable because you don't want an LED burning out on your cornea.
3: (laughs) Or shorting out, (laughs) or exploding, or...
0: Yeah. Now, it's using ludicrously small amounts of electricity to do this.
3: Well, LEDs don't use a lot of of electricity in the first place.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but once we can figure out the green LEDs, full-color displays will be possible. And this thing is already tiny and useful... And you can just imagine the, the uses that you could have for a contact lens that shoots video onto your retina. Mm-hmm. That sounds extremely distracting. You know, it might be. Well, you know, it's also
1: it. transparent, so it's designed to be an overlay.
3: Right, but yeah. it has to do more with attention than yeah. what is actually blocking your field of vision.
1: I
0: don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to get more distracting than my current smartphone. I wonder, because I, I wonder if that's more of a design problem, being able to design displays that don't distract.
1: Well, it's also, I think there's going to be some psychology research that needs to be done here of how many things can a human concentrate on at once.
3: Not a lot. Is that the answer. was going to be
1: my <laughs> assumption. Well,
3: and, and they've done lots of studies on multitasking, and that's what they found, is that people don't multitask well. I mean, mm-hmm. there's there have been studies that say that women multitask better than men, but... As a whole, people do not multitask well.
2: Yeah, Mm -hmm. And and usual, actual multitasking boils down to very rapidly switching your attention from one process to another
0: process. What could eventually happen is you're going to need to wear something just to the side of your eye in order to contact to it anyway. Uh, And at that point, it could actually enhance your concentration. So it could focus on what you're focusing on. If I'm looking at you, and it'll pull up data about you, not about you know, that computer Mm -hmm. that you're using. But if I focus on the computer, it would pull up data back. that. That way, you're not being... See, but that's that's a software
3: issue, not a hardware issue. Like I said,
0: it's a design
2: problem.
3: Yeah. Well, design doesn't necessarily narrow it down to one thing.
1: It comes down to, we'll see how well Google Glass actually does. Because it's going to have a or has a very similar issue of you're looking at something and then you're looking up to the corner going, what does that say? Okay.
0: That's well, because Google Glass is not VR. It's not AR even. It's a screen that is displayed in your in your vision right above.
1: I think it, it still qualifies as AR. I think there's a bunch of apps on phones that qualify as AR.
0: Technically.
1: I mean, look at... A bunch of us have this app on our phone where it, <sighs> where you point the camera, it will show you what stars are in the sky, even if it's in the middle of the day.
0: Google Sky. Yeah. Google yeah. Sky. Um, the game Ingress... Which is a location-based scavenger hunt game, essentially data mining, data mining kind of thingy. It's 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 digital capture the flag. Yeah, Yeah. that's a good good GPS-enabled
2: capture the flag, but
0: But with with heavy data mining aspects. (laughs) Yeah, I I think if you can get past the design challenges, it should be just fine. Like Drake says, it's not going to be any more distracting than his than his current distraction that he's currently distracted by right now.
1: Yeah, I really am concerned though. What happens when someone sneezes? you um, pop out of contact suddenly you have a couple hundred dollars on the ground and you can't find it well luckily
0: it's just very problem thing you're wearing
1: next to your eye <laughs> or that's
3: implanted in your temple
1: Wait, oh <laughs> yeah how, oh, no. how would it shoot
0: light I'm not directly okay into my eyeball yet.
3: just saying
1: <laughs> all right um, so moving on to a topic that's super exciting for a few of us all right what you got BattleBots. BattleBots. BattleBots is back, bitches. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's very
3: alliterative, thank you. That, that is very alliterative. <laughs> I appreciate that.
0: I'm, I'm impressed. Now, yeah. if, if you're like me, you grew up watching uh, BBC America or Channel 7 here in Utah. Uh, mm-hmm. PBS. PBS. And you watch BattleBots. Awesome. It went away and it's coming back. Uh, you want to describe to us what BattleBots is for those who aren't lucky enough to have grown up with it? Yeah, so
1: if you've seen Big Hero 6... They actually kind of included that, and I have a feeling that's why it's coming back. Um, you have robots that are designed by teams, and you put basically two robots enter, one hopefully leaves. Or
2: sometimes you have large melees where six robots enter, yeah. and one limps out of there.
1: You have a bunch of robots, and this isn't necessarily what people think of when they robots are said. It's not humanoid-type robots. These are yeah, things that are just, like, giant, spinning razors that are there to cut open other robots, and it's violent and amazing.
2: Or, you know, wedges.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, depending on how it's designed.
2: Right. The the re- Part of the reason that the old show got shut down was the wedge issue. And the wedge issue was basically wedges... You you could build a robot in the shape of a wedge, and it would drive very quickly under another robot and flip that robot over, and the robot would be flailing with its you know wheels in the air, yeah, being totally helpless. At which point the wedge robot had won, and this got so bad that you know in the final season there were only three types of robots:
0: wedges, lifters, and I'm forgetting wedge lifters. Yeah, pretty much. They were a combo. The the most successful were wedges with some kind of pick. Yeah. A pick that could get through diamond, plate, yeah. and steel.
2: And and some
0: of, these, some of these picks were strong enough to flip the robot back over if it had been knocked upside and down. I, I remember episodes where that pick would miss or something and just embed itself in concrete.
3: <laughs> well, you know, it sounds kind of like Ultimate Fighting. And the progression of that. When, a, yeah. when Ultimate yeah. Fighting started out, you would have kickboxers, you'd have boxers, you'd have wrestlers, you'd have sumo guys, you know, people who were specialists in their specific discipline. And then eventually, they found out that jiu-jitsu and mixing a couple other things together yeah. was more effective... And so you get mixed martial arts, which is what everybody now does. Yeah. So it sounds like what happened with BattleBots is the exact same thing. They figured out what was effective, and instead of trying to specialize in a particular type of robot, everybody just made the same thing, because that's what won.
2: Yeah. Yep.
3: So what are they doing to fix that wedge issue?
2: They haven't said anything yet. I'm I'm hoping they do something.
1: Here's the thing. We have robots that can fly. Yeah. yeah. So wedges are no longer going to necessarily be the end-all, be-all.
2: And there have been talks of uh, you know
0: entering drone swarms as a single entry. That's kind of cool. I, I think That's so, too. That's terrifying and amazing. Now, I, I think we should point out, we've been saying robots, we haven't, we haven't specified. These are remote-controlled robots. They're being controlled by, by a person. So mm-hmm. this isn't the right.
3: singularity, no. the beginning of the singularity. <laughs>
2: A, yeah. AI AI technology. While it's come a long way since, you know, 2000, it's still... Uh, well,
3: while AI has come a long ways in 15 years. In 15 years.
1: 15 years. <laughs> you know, this is a really good question, though. I mean, look at all of the AI that they build into robots that are remote-controlled. Yeah. How much are they going to allow? Because I know at least some of us have seen the TED Talk where they have these um, quadcopters. And the AI that they program them with so that they can go to places, they can balance, wine glasses. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of stuff. So if if several you combine of them work those, those, that's, that's going to be
2: brutal. Yeah, Several Some of them can work together to pick up objects that are too heavy for one to lift. Mm-hmm. They, maybe they'll be able, allowed to use that. Maybe be they won't, though. Uh, yeah.
0: Magnet lifting, on-site construction, stuff like that, where they can actually construct a tool that would specifically flip over the unflip over bot robot be yeah, very interesting now yeah, now to
3: go off on a tiny bit of a tangent here how much technological advancement comes from these battle bots how many ideas are produced when they are trying to create these new exciting battle bots with all these interesting features that actually gets carried over into real world applications
2: um some i know you know that at least in the military world Military robot designs after that show stopped being so high-profile and
0: did have a very much yeah. more wedge-shaped thing, mm-hmm. a lot like main battle tanks. I can tell you one thing that definitely came out of that. Grant Imahara. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, he actually I mean, used to For, for people who haven't watched Mythbusters a lot.
0: <laughs> who? Who?
1: Hey, some people you never hey, know. If
0: you haven't watched Mythbusters, Jerks, watch it. Jerks email us it. Well, so
3: we can help you. Grant Imahara is not on Mythbusters
0: that's any true. longer. That's true.
2: I, actually, uh, Jamie and Adam of Mythbusters also used to compete there
0: too.
1: I'm not surprised. Speaking of, if Battlebots is coming back, we gonna design one and enter it. Um, Have the salty geek Battlebot.
0: I think that's talks for later.
1: <laughs> maybe, but maybe. Drake, what do you do for a living?
2: Um, I build giant robots. Yeah, giant.
0: Let's do this. Salty geek robot. Well, I'll will, tell you what. It will we're...
2: fly around salting
3: things and corroding the the metal with the salt.
0: It'll just be a really angry robot. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to we're going to take a break now and we will be back right after this. Alright, welcome back to our show. This time we're going to be sticking with a bit of a, tr- of a topic. We're going to talk about uh, realism in games and kind of the tropes that are involved in that. One of the things I wanted to bring up anyway was, as far as like realism goes, you know, there's there's the joke, you know, my my future laser space sword isn't realistic. That's kind of a false statement because what people really have an issue with isn't the fact that it's realistic because, let's face it, it's a future laser space sword. What they have a problem with is plausibility. The Star Wars hilt, the new one on uh, episode 7. It's not that it's unrealistic, it's that it's unplausible. Is it, is it plausible that a lightsaber would have a cross guard like that? It just doesn't feel that way. My opinion has been back and forth on that one.
1: Yeah, and but, you have arguments on all sides. You have people saying the necessity of having a crossguard, and people saying, oh, well, you'll cut your hand off if you have it, and then everyone else going, how often do you hit yourself with a crossguard? Depends on
2: how you hold your sword. And yeah. this, this also goes back to that whole long, let's not really get into the whole discussion about how lightsabers actually work, whether there's rotoscoping <laughs> effects going on, and you know whether only Jedi can use them. Han right. uses one in uh, Empire
3: Strikes Well, the, the, the thing right? is about lightsabers is anyone can use them, but the line is that you need the Force to be able to use one safely. Otherwise, it's it's too unwieldy and you're going to chop your leg off. Yeah,
1: I've al- That's
3: the idea behind it.
1: I, I've also, Depending I've also, on the cannon you're going with. Yeah, I've also
3: heard the idea that
2: you know lightsabers are a perfectly viable melee infantry weapon unless you're going up against a Jedi, in which case you might as well have just cut your own throat. Because he's going to read your mind, know what you're going to do, block your attack, and then stab you.
3: He's going to do that anyway.
0: Well, yeah, they're Jedi. Not exactly if you're firing shotguns at him. Yeah, um, <laughs> can't, can't block those. Slow throwers. throwers.
1: But you know that's also realism in something that is very future high fantasy yes, is yes. what I would count that as
0: space opera. Well, or um yes. for Behind people opera. for people who love. <laughs> Um, it's or a play, yeah. Or play tabletop games, you know. Oh, you can't use that weapon. That's that's not a realistic weapon, you know. Like, oh, it's a repeating crossbow. Of course, it's realistic, you know. Yeah, well, um, I've
3: seen YouTube videos of repeating crossbows. Right.
2: They had repeating crossbows
0: in ancient China. Yeah, you know, 200 or, BC. Mm-hmm. Or people who say, no, you can't use a, a foam buster sword. Uh, you know, the giant fantasy 7 sword because stupid this
1: is a serious game yeah because it's unrealistic
0: (laughs) but is it unrealistic is it or is it just implausible in that setting this This is a a serious serious game game, so the guy guy wearing glitter glitter playing a
2: fey yeah
0: (laughs)
1: yeah well okay on the fantasy i guess sort of somewhat historical fantasy we go Lord of the rings and That whole setting... Typical
3: high fantasy.
1: Apparently there has been a lot of controversy lately over Dragon Age Inquisition. And there is this group of people saying that it is completely unrealistic that women are wielding longswords. Because longswords are clearly too heavy for these frail women to be holding. Assuming that they weigh I've heard anything from, like, 30 to 50 pounds on these things. <laughs> and clearly these people have never held a sword.
3: Well, and an average longsword weighs about three pounds. Yeah. I mean, the, the yeah. typical rule is about a pound per foot.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. So
3: if you have a three-foot sword, which is about average length for a longsword, 30, 35, 36 inches to about 40 inches, you're gonna you're looking at about three pounds. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Which, yes, it's not light. Try picking up something that's three pounds with that much top weight on it. I mean, they're balanced and everything. That's Mm -hmm. a different discussion. But, yeah, it it takes some use and some training to use, but...
1: You can still unskillfully swing a sword as long as you can pick up, you know, a five-pound weight.
3: Yeah, Could a girl pick up a crowbar and swing that? Yeah. And crowbars are not balanced, like a sword is.
2: The the heaviest sword that we know of that was used in actual combat weighs seven and a half pounds. And that's a very heavy sword. And how big is that? And how big is the sword? How big is the sword? It's like six foot two or something like that. And this, it was wielded by a guy whose name was literally Big Peter. Is um, he, he German? Uh, no, he was a Dutch guy. Uh, Gross pizza was you know his name. And he was, a, a, he was, to all accounts, you know, 300 pounds and seven foot four.
3: And that's pretty large.
1: And yeah. I guess this kind of comes down to, and I'm going to largely blame D&D, especially early D&D, on the cause of this, people think that weapons and armor and everything weighs so much more than it does.
2: Yeah. First edition d was notoriously poorly
0: researched, as in the, none. Yeah. The the trope of the the slow, lumbering knight in full armor.
1: Or my favorite one is the rogue in studded leather,
0: oh. because
1: having suds on your leather is <laughs> going protective to protect so much more. and it's not just people misunderstanding that, oh, that's branding.
0: Yeah, quick history lesson. Armor never had studs like that.
2: (laughs) If if you're looking at something and it looks like studded armor, what you're looking at is brigandine,
0: which is plate, which is is a type of plate. It's it's like
2: plates riveted to the leather
1: or more commonly wool. Yeah.
0: So
3: here, here's something that's kind of ironic. You have these people who are like, "Oh, a woman couldn't hold a sword because it's too heavy." Which is, you know, a long sword like we discussed is about three pounds. Mm -hmm. How much does an assault rifle weigh? Just out of curiosity, does anybody know?
0: Uh, between
2: five to you know ten pounds, depending on who's a saw rifle. Standard
3: M16 weighs about seven and a half pounds. Yeah, which is twice the weight of a longsword. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah. How much does a bag of groceries with a thing of milk weigh?
1: thing of milk, a few things of flour, and sugar, and you're yeah. carrying uh, no. 50-some pounds. No, I'm
0: sorry. You're too weak and fragile to handle those groceries. How much does a child weigh? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, just saying. <laughs> Good
1: point.
3: Um, not that children are expressly carried by women. That's of, not of where course. I'm going with it. Of
1: course. Also, children
2: should not be swung around like weapons.
3: No. Usually. I disagree. <laughs> I swing I, my child around like a weapon sometimes. Yeah, but, but she's sh- laughing. She yeah, exactly. A- she she asked me to do it
0: <laughs> <laughs> instead of instead of Superman. When she says, "Daddy, let's, When she
3: says, "Daddy, let's play swords."
0: Let's play Langschnitt <laughs> <laughs> Well, me and Drake were watching this uh, this documentary on was it, was it specifically lightsabers or was it just Star Wars? I think it was just Star Wars. I think yeah, but they they were talking about kind of how they made the lightsabers and and how they were instructed to fight with them. And our favorite fantasy writer, George Lucas, instructed the actors that because this weapon was so powerful uh, that it was actually hard to move through the air, and so you had to hold it with two hands to effectively use it like a real long sword that weighs 40 pounds. This is a quote from Mark Hamill. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and, and Mark Hamill, uh, in that same documentary we were watching was apparently of the opinion that longsword weighed about thirty five pounds.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
3: Well and a lightsaber <laughs> is essentially a handle. Yeah. Yeah. The blade of it
0: has no weight.
1: Well and but it's condensed energy, so it has to be super heavy.
0: Rotoscoping. Rotoscoping. <laughs> well here here's here's how I'm going to tie this I'm in. So because baffled. when you watch somebody activate a lightsaber and you've been told that it's made out of light, is it realistic or the real word plausible? that that thing has to be used with two hands because it can't get through the air fast enough. Because it's so hard to move It, it, it.
1: can't get through the air fast <laughs> enough but it can totally cut someone in half with almost no resistance. Yes. So, so that, what is so special about air that it can't cut through it?
0: <laughs> well it was has that it was so powerful this? in moving it was I don't know. <laughs> we I, I didn't I didn't glean much of the details off that terrible quote but that's the plausibility versus realism thing like, mm-hmm. well, is it's more plausible that it's made out of light so it's just a handle so they flick it around
1: it's also just like it's people being too lazy to do their research i mean now we have wikipedia just look it up before it would have been go, go down to and the
3: library go to the
1: <laughs> library go contact the history professor at a university and ask him some questions or a science professor go to yeah. a
3: museum and actually hold a sword
1: Yeah. 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 There's no excuse for the majority of this. As
2: a side note, you know, this goes back to, what was my favorite film last year? Interstellar. Why? Because it was the only movie I saw that a six-year-old who was paying attention, or not a, a sixth grader who was paying attention in science class... Couldn't have, you know, immediately poked holes in the movie's plot.
1: Mm-hmm. Either but, follow what we know or have damn good justification from, for diverging from that.
3: Well, what it comes down to, and this is true for any fabricated setting, whether yeah. it's fantasy or sci fi or whatever it happens to be, zombies, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. The technology or magic or whatever you want to call it has to abide by its own rules, yeah. by the rules of that setting. If the rules of the Star Wars setting, say, lightsabers weigh 40 pounds that's fine but you have to abide by that and you have to keep that consistent throughout the story if you have a story if you have a fantasy story with lots of magic where there are certain laws that govern magic stick to those rules if the rules of magic say that you can create anything you want that's fine but stick to those rules
1: Yeah. yeah
2: brandon sanderson is really good at that sort of magic
1: yeah, he's amazing at writing a setting and all of the details of it and sticking to that, making almost his own science for it.
0: Yeah. And,
1: and on the other
2: hand, you
0: have, you know, Harry Potter...
2: joke magic.
0: Hermione forgets all of her spells that she learned in the last uh, uh, one.
3: And so much of the Harry Potter magic, I was reading through a spell list the other day, and so much of it just seems to be how to prank someone. Either how to prank them, or how to completely destroy them (laughs) from existence. Okay, look
1: at what's being talked about in that, though. I mean, you have a whole bunch of teenagers pranking each other and then you have this big epic battle you're not going to hear a whole lot of the in-between because that's the boring stuff it doesn't mean it doesn't exist it's just not being written about by rowling
0: the thing about keeping with the consistency is that whole forgetting the spells that you learned in the last book or movie you know or or since since you rested rested. last or since you rested last um (laughs) wow yeah the tabletop rules there you know because if I watched this movie, and there was a spell that would totally solve this problem that I know you know, and you're not using it, then... That comes down... That's just to Look at you, it. Superman. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, there's also the thing, they are teenagers, young teenagers, remembering... Things in the heat of the moment doesn't always happen. But I will defend Harry Potter I, to my death. I, I will buy I, that. I'm not. I will buy that. Yeah.
0: I'm, I'm not, not really attacking Harry Potter. I oh, mean, I know. It's fine. Fine entertainment. But uh, I'm attacking kind of the idea of that you can just throw out stuff you've already used. You know, uh, Drake brought up Superman. Uh, a lot in the comics, he would forget that he has certain powers so they could write
1: A lot story. of that depends on who's writing it. And I,
3: I don't think it has anything to do with him forgetting to use them. It just has to do with storytelling. Yeah. And well, I'm not
0: just it's lazy story writing. <laughs>
3: but but it's, it's also kind of hard to think of a story for Superman, using Superman as an example, because he's basically perfect, and the only way to beat him is Kryptonite. <laughs> so you are very limited in the amount yeah. of stories you can use unless you start to limit some of his other powers yeah. or restrict them or just hey, or you ignore know, go, them.
2: Go back to Silver Age Superman. He, um, he, he started out being able to jump, I believe it was leap tall tilt Leap tall buildings in a single band? I believe it was exactly one-eighth of a mile straight up. That's um, very specific. Yeah, he could, he, could, he could run faster than a train, and he was very strong. He was not what we think of as Superman today. He could not fly. He could not shoot lasers out of his eyes. He didn't have any sort of frost breath effect. Um, he could not survive, <laughs> un, you know, unprotected in vacuum.
3: Well, that's because he's a Mary
2: Sue. That's well, true. Now he is. Yes.
3: Well, I mean, that's it's, and that's kind of the evolution of some of these characters. Is they have the power that they need. They discover this power, this fantastical power, at just the right time. Yeah. And that's kind of the definition of a Mary Sue: yeah. is they have what they need. Doesn't matter if it makes sense. They discover these powers, they evolve these new powers just at the right time so they can win. I mean, it, the 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 thing that always comes to mind for me is at the end of Pacific Rim, he's fighting this big giant monster forever, <laughs> oh, and then finally, when all is lost, out comes this retractable sword. Which Wait, why we weren't they one, using that? Weapon. Yeah, why weren't they using that the whole time?
1: Because Pacific Rim was a cheesy robot movie versus monsters, and it did it perfectly. No,
3: absolutely, and I, and I agree, and I love Pacific Rim, and I think it's fun, but I think it's a perfect illustration of this yes. concept.
0: The only problem is, is why do the cannons need to be mounted on a giant fighting robot to work?
1: Better visuals. <laughs> exactly. Because it's cool. that's exactly it.
0: And that's exactly it. Because
1: that's what the CG department really wanted. Okay, so here's another thing when it comes to realism, and this is going a little bit more into the game design aspect of it. And this is true across tabletop, a lot of American LARPs, a lot of video games. Hit points. Hit points are the furthest thing from reality as you can get. Does
3: this go back to the conversation that we had about a year and a half ago where I was ranting about hit,
1: hit points for about two hours? One of many conversations <laughs> we've had like that. Yeah, but So... You have a sword, you swing it, and you're regularly swinging for, let's say, 7 points unless you crit for 15, and you're fighting this person that has 150 health. How does this make sense?
3: <laughs> Hit points are an abstraction of health. Yeah. They are a construct designed to, to turn something that is not measurable into a measurable quantity. Yeah,
2: yeah. and, and, not, and not, not just health, health but sometimes, sometimes also skill. skill.
1: Yeah. Points. So, some
2: games yeah. rationalize you having so many hit points as you being able to dodge out of the way. You know?
1: But, I mean, yeah. here's the thing. You have this as the core for a lot of different systems.
0: Yeah. LARP-specific specific specific. systems.
1: Well, not just, just larp like video, video games, tabletop, tabletops. Like, anything D20 or D6-based is going to have that. Pretty much
0: any video game, too.
3: I mean, it's only been recently when they've started doing games that have more of a... I don't even know how to describe it. Where you get you get damaged a little bit, and then you wait a second, and your health comes back. But it's it's the regenerating
0: hit points points from like Call of Duty and a lot of nap. which they started doing about ten years ago.
1: This is acceptable to so many people. I mean, with the exception of a couple of us that deal with this mostly in LARPing, going this is ridiculous. Why are we using numbers? But why is this acceptable? Where other things aren't.
3: Such as? What's an example?
1: So a lot of the realism we've been talking about. Got it. Where is that line drawn? Is it because we don't have a better option? See, but there
3: are better options. There are lots of better options. One thing that I started playing Shadowrun about 20 years ago, and one thing that just kind of blew me away about it is it didn't have hit points. I came from playing D&D at -hmm. the time. And Shadowrun, it had a condition monitor, is what it was called. Every character had ten boxes that they could fill up, and you would do different rolls that would do resistance to damage and whatnot. Yeah. Damage was still variable, but there were resistance rolls, and as you filled up these boxes, you started taking negative effects. Yeah. And that, to me, was revolutionary, because it wasn't hit points. And I thought, oh, there's a different way to do this. I think part of the problem... And part of the reason that hit points are such an ingrained part of every system is because the D20 mechanic is so ingrained in the gaming culture.
1: Roll for your health.
3: And as you roll, as you level up, you get more health. Yeah. Which doesn't make any sense.
2: Mm-hmm. Hit points.
3: I'm, I'm more experienced, so I can take more of a punch now. I mean, yes, that does make some sense. You have bo- some boxers, for example, or MMA fighters, whatever. The more they train, the more pain tolerance they get it's
1: also pain tolerance and blunt yes. attacks versus you know Getting being shot. cut by a sword or wearing full plate having someone with a sword come at you and you standing there going what are you doing why are you hitting me stop hitting me
2: yeah I'm I'm going to be doing a night demonstration for some school children in a couple of weeks here and that's one of the things that that we do in the in these demonstrations is myself and a friend we pull out our swords and both of us are wearing chainmail and plate armor. And we basically start beating on each other and the kids, you know, immediately get these big terrified expressions because, oh, God, they're about to start hitting each other with sharp swords. And then we are obviously
0: very unhurt by any of this. Mm -hmm. Because when you're wearing a good suit of plate and chain, you are immune to swords. Yeah.
1: Oh, but I'm sorry. If you're wearing plate mail, then clearly you have reduced mobility.
0: Hang on, let me do a cartwheel. That, me... that
1: was sarcasm for those who could
2: not tell. <laughs> also, plate is so, so much heavier than
0: chainmail. Yeah, which nope. it's not.
1: No, other yeah. way around. Yeah, Chain is so heavy.
0: Um, my full suit of plate armor weighs 80 pounds. That's from head to toe armor. Mm-hmm. A full suit of steel, riveted, flattened chainmail weighs about a hundred and fifty pounds yeah that's all, that's a full hauberk. so that's front and back arms and legs, legs toes coif over your head and then the padding that actually goes with it
1: yeah and i mean i my, i recently bought my husband a full well a tunic of chain mail yeah. it's really thin steel but it's riveted and that thing, its long sleeve goes down to about mid-thigh. That alone weighs 40 pounds. Yeah. And that is much thinner than it's historically accurate.
3: Well, if you, if you think about the people who wore plate mail, the knights, yeah. back in the day, they had to be able to get on and off of a horse. Mm-hmm. They had to be able to run around a battlefield. They had to be able to fall over and get back up by themselves. It, because if their armor was not functional, if what they were wearing kept them from moving and fighting and yeah. stuff, it's pointless. Yeah. And, and they would not wear it. It would not have lasted as long as it has, and it would not have become as integral to a warrior's kit as it did. Because if it wasn't effective, they wouldn't use it.
1: And here's another thing that people often overlook. Plate armor, if you could afford it, then you could afford to have it fitted to you perfectly. So they did. Yeah. Chainmail was not the rich man's armor. It was, we need something generic for this army. This is a one-size-fits-most. Put this on.
2: Later on, you started to see munitions plate, which was, you know, mass-produced plate. Mm-hmm. But even then, it was usually... It wasn't a full suit, either. No, it usually wasn't a full suit. It was usually just, you know, plate. breastplate and backplate and shoulders, and maybe, maybe some leg lanes...
0: You know, you can look up countless demonstrations of of mobility in armor. And you know what? I I always applaud a game that allows for that. We were talking about, like, hit points in games, whereas plate should give you damage reduction as opposed to, well, did he hit you harder than your armor can handle? Mm Mm-hmm. Kind of, you know, it's kind of yeah, well. He's not really going to be able to hit you harder than you're...
3: Well, I, I think a lot of kind of tying this back into our George Lucas discussion a few minutes ago. <laughs> uh, I think a lot of these misconceptions came from historians who didn't actually know what they were talking about, who didn't actually put on a suit of armor, who didn't oh, have a suit of victorians. armor. Yeah, who who didn't have a suit of armor <laughs> fit, to fit to them? them. They yeah. see these these suits of armor in a museum or in a castle or whatever, and and think. It's just their own logic. It's their own deduction. That has to be hard to wear. That has to be really heavy and awkward, because I have no idea how anyone could ever wear that and do anything. They've never actually seen anyone
2: wear it. Another thing they got like massively wrong with the whole... These guys wouldn't be carrying pikes and swords over their shoulders for long marches. <laughs> they would have obviously put them in carts. Well, no, we've got pictures of them marching and... Drawn pictures and all of the and soldiers. And... Yeah, all of the soldiers had these things slung over their shoulders. Sure, hauling around a fifteen-foot piece of wood tipped with metal, that get that get a bit annoying after a couple days. But it'd be more annoying if another enemy army showed up all of a
3: sudden. And you had to run back to to the cart and get your pike. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, here's another thing, though. On the topic of Victorians, most Victorian historians I would consider more storytellers than historians. Oh, yeah. They made whatever they needed to to make their society seem the best. They were the golden age because they said so. Because they rewrote history to make it that way.
0: Yeah.
2: They also they also liked to go around tearing the uh, whitewashing off of castles to make them look more ruined. Most castles would not have been bare stone; they would have been
0: covered in whitewash. Yeah, because why wouldn't you protect your giant investment? Yeah, <laughs> because it looks cooler. <laughs> well, and this is kind of like a like a trope in in movies where it's like every. Castle is, like, found stone that's loosely fitted together with mortar and lit by torches and giant braziers. Or
1: everything is drab and brown. I think a lot of... clearly no one had dye back then. I think a
3: lot of what you're talking about, Ian, goes back to location filming. Yeah. They They find a castle, and they film their movie in that castle. Yeah. Because it's a lot cheaper than building a set. Yeah. And oh,
2: Ironclad. <laughs>
0: they, they built their own castle for that one.
3: But, but you know, they're not going to take this historic landmark and paint it for a couple of reasons. Number one, can't. they can't. Number two, it does look cooler to have it be all this found stone, you know, that that looks 700 years old because it is.
0: Yeah.
3: And, and to just film it in that location, yeah. which gives us these misconceptions.
0: Kind of a lack of this trope is... Surprisingly, Lord of the Rings. Because running CG. CG? Yeah, but a lot of their their locations, because they were CG in sets, and because they were supposed to be active, thriving places, tended to be very well put together
1: and just beautiful. And you have to give their costume department a lot of credit, too, because every culture, whether it was the elves or Rohan or... Even yeah. the Hobbits, Look they you. had their own styles, they were unique, they had certain colors, they wore certain types of embroidery. There was so much detail that went into that that made it realistic and living. Yeah.
3: Well, and and they had an actual armorer and weapon master who made swords for mm. the movie.
1: Waiter. <laughs> I've actually
0: met that guy.
1: Yeah. Well, well,
0: what
3: it I'm was, saying is, these I were actual so. swords. These, these were made for the movie, they were real swords. Yeah. that could be wielded correctly because they were actual swords. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, And they had choreographers and, and fight masters who knew what they were talking about. We, we we don't have these tropes because we had actual educated people involved in the creation of the film.
0: Yeah. Um, what was it? I follow a guy. His, his name is Lindy Bage. He's on YouTube. And he, he's an historian and an archaeologist, and he talks a lot about this stuff. He says he's been hired on as a historical advisor to a few small movies. And, essentially, they come in, have a meeting with him, thank him, credit him, and do whatever and they completely want. completely ignore him. <laughs> yeah. Um, that makes a lot of
2: sense, unfortunately. Yeah. He, he also gave an example of a friend who was also doing one of these gigs. And the only time they came up to, to him and talked about this, about, about anything historically, you know, related in the movie, was they were wondering whether or not a certain type of banner would be carried at the front of the army or at the back of the army. And the historical advisor looked at the banner and said, well, that's a cavalry banner. It'd be with the
0: cavalry. <laughs> and, you know, they didn't talk to him again for the rest of the film. Right? Oh, jeez. So I, I, I kind of want to bring this down before we run out of time. Uh, bring it back, anyway, to tropes and LARPing. As somebody who writes rules, I know I have another person here who writes rules. and I have own. two people who have been very involved in rules. Yep. Hit points... Are a tabletop thing. and video game, and, oh. and video. And I'm, I'm speaking kind of, kind of a little thing. In a video game, it's a, it's an algorithm. You know it's I mean? math. Yeah, it's math.
3: Well, and and, that, and just to kind of piggyback on what you're saying, hit points are a math system, and math does not belong in a LARP.
1: Yeah. Well, Though middle, you will have a lot middle. of Americans that will argue the opposite of that because you know clearly, I don't care if I'm throwing out hundreds of damage. The larger numbers make me feel better. We've heard that argument from people before. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, so here, let me swing a few numbers at you: five,
1: thirty-eight, forty-nine, thirty-four. Hope you can do mental math
0: really fast. <laughs> or,
3: or, or even, or just—I mean, those are some big numbers to add up. What if someone is like 77464477347? Seven, seven, four, 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 seven, seven, yeah. Exactly. That's something that you will very commonly hear in an American LARP because there are seven different people swinging weapons with different damage amounts at the same time.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and if, at
3: the same time, you're swinging back at them with numbers. And, with and if numbers. you're the
1: big boss, good luck keeping track of that. I know one person who can. <laughs> And we all know exactly who that is, and he is the only one who can accurately keep track however the hell he does that. Uh,
3: I I read an article about this several years ago where they were saying that this type of system, a hit point-based LARP, is a system that's designed to fail.
0: Yeah.
1: It is.
3: Because it is. Because people cannot do math that quickly. Invariably, every rule system that you see that has this type of rule in there will have a little clause in there that says, if you lose track... Just die. Mm-hmm.
1: And if you don't
3: know how many hit points you have, just die and figure it out later.
1: I hate to say it, anytime I've talked to someone who's brand new and I'm teaching them the basics of a rule system and, you know, how to do combat, that's always the thing I end with, of if you get too confused and you don't have a second to ask, just drop dead and wait till the next combat.
0: Yeah. And that is a
3: system that's set up to
0: fail. Yes, it is. And, and we've come up with multiple... Ways of doing this better. AmpGuard uses a limb system. Um, Bell uses, Bell, a uses limb. Be- Bell uses a similar limb system. Nate? I prefer, and, I'm, and I know Nate prefers, and I know Drake prefers. Actually, I think Drake prefers the limb system. He, he's not I do. I do. I like for my fantasy games, not for my combat games. Hits, so I can take five hits. You, you can be hit five, five times, times before you die. And then I die.
1: And you keep that number really low. Like you're, Twelve
0: is the most, I'd say. Twelve is know, e- extremely excessive that, in my that, mind. That, that is yeah. the
1: cap.
3: I think that's still extremely I know excessive. Ian and I are referring
1: <laughs> to the same system here. The only reason twelve was ever used was because it was a magically reinforced race that could heal themselves up to twelve mid-combat. Yeah. They were supposed to be the terrifying guys.
3: But at the same time, the way I would do it is have them have a low amount of health, but then an ability that will
0: regenerate that health. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: mean, even with how it was, none of us ever built to 12. I think most of us built to around 8. I
0: I did it as an experiment, and it was pretty OP.
1: Yeah. Um, I just put everything in
0: disarms. And I, I get this argument a lot. Hit points are not the same as hits, but that's not true. Because if you have 24... Hit point, and I'm swinging for four.
3: You can take six hits. You can
0: take six hits.
3: If you're swinging for six, you can take four hits.
1: Exactly. It it is so frustrating, and I have graphed this out for so many people. Of if all of your damage, if everyone is on average swinging for five, and everyone has around twenty five health, there is no reason you can't have five hits. Yeah. Yes, combat goes faster, but it's quiet and it's scary and it makes for a better game.
3: And you can actually roleplay during combat.
1: Yeah, being able to yell at people. I know we've all done this, but um, with Nate's game, we were running a hit system, and I was an archer. So I would be in the back talking shit when I had zero right to, because I'm just some prissy aristocrat and yeah. it was so <laughs> much fun being able to yell at them, have them yell back, and then suddenly I'm off getting kidnapped.
3: Well, The silence
0: of
1: combat. And yeah. Ian,
3: imagine that final battle, if there was damage being called and you couldn't actually roleplay during that.
0: It detracts. It, detracts it absolutely does. It always will.
3: And it's scary to newcomers. That's true.
1: Members um, just detract from immersion. If I have to do. sit there doing math, that's not, you know, how much coin do I have in my pocket? Yeah. I don't yeah. want to be well, doing that.
0: A few advantages to not calling damage are, one, if I want to take you out quietly, I can't do <laughs> That's <take> impossible. That. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, imagine
3: being a sniper.
0: An, an, uh, an
3: archer sniper.
0: I, I, and you I have to really go,
3: 25 normal from the bushes as you shoot someone. Me and
0: Drake played characters that use blowguns. We used nerf dart, nerf dart blowguns. And we hid in the bushes. And what we did, because we had to hide and we didn't want to give ourselves away... Is we worked it out with the GM, if they got hit by a dart, they knew that it was seven points of
1: damage. Or if it was something else, we had walkie-talkies on us, and they would call over what they had just hit us with. Now, if it was just hits,
0: you don't even... But
3: that's the thing, is you had to work out a mechanic with the GM... To institute a hit-based system. Yeah, yeah. And That's exactly what you did, is yeah. you removed the hit points from mm-hmm.
0: the system and said, if you get hit with this weapon, this is what happens to yeah. 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 And I was the
1: head of plot for that, so I totally let it fly. And,
0: and I need to point out, when I say hiding, I don't mean we were using a skill.
1: No, they were in ghillie suits. There was one time Drake was in his ghillie suit, sitting in some ivy. I'm standing right in front of him, looking around. His character's name was Oust. I was like, has anyone seen Oust? And I hear behind me, I'm right here. And I turn around, and there, all you see is these beady eyes staring out, and it scared the crap out of
2: us. There, there was another instance in which case uh, somebody walked up to a bush that was nearby and said, Hey, Unst, you know, have, <laughs> do you have any healing potions? And I said, No, I'm out of them. And he, he just about crapped his pants because he was sure that I was that bush and not hiding. You were a different bush. We're, we're
1: I, I going to have to get in, into this, this one on a later episode yeah, because yeah, we have, have, have a lot of content there. But
0: Yeah, we'll have to talk about <laughs> playstyles. later. There's our brief
1: opinions on rules and accuracy and realism.
0: Yeah. We can, yeah. Don't worry. We'll get into this more. We have <laughs> lots of opinions. That's about it for the show. As always, thanks for listening. Drop us a line at saltygeekpodcast at gmail.com. And I would just no want to say thanks to everybody who has beta tested for us. Um, we've had quite a number of people give us some suggestions and ideas, and please always do that. We and are they, here for you. Like I said, you know, we are always improving. We're um, trying to at least. <laughs> or trying to at least. Maybe failing. So if there's something you want to hear, topics you want broached, just let us know. Oh, by the way, go see uh, Kingsman
2: when it comes out. Oh yeah. Oh, the, yeah. the 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 climax to that film <laughs> is mind blowing.
0: Literally. <laughs> <laughs> and wow. I'm an adult. You're an adult. <laughs> and on that note, bye-bye.
1: Bye bye. Off you, Off you to side. Side.
0: Bye. <laughs> you
1: yeah, had to say it that way, didn't you? What? Did you see him go? Mind
0: blowing. <laughs> <laughs>